I enjoy listening to singing that has truth in it. The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Amen. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that hears and answers prayers? Amen. You have your Bibles. Why don't you go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Just want to say again, uh, as I did in Sunday school, but my wife, she's unable to be here with me, my wife and my daughter. They're unable to be here with me. We have been traveling. This would have been four weeks in a row that we've been traveling. Uh, so she just took a little, took a little break. Uh, we have an 18-month-old daughter, and we have another one, another uh, baby on the way that'll be here in November. Uh, so I just told her just take it a little easy because I'm going to leave right after service this evening. And, and like I said this morning, if she doesn't get a break, I don't get a break. I used to, you heard, you heard often if Mama isn't happy, nobody's happy, right? I used to think a woman made that phrase. Then I got married. I said a man said that. <laughs> So I'm trying to keep everybody happy. So she's back home with our church family this morning. Uh, but it is a, a blessing to be here with you all this morning. So normally when I'm traveling out, I, I introduce my beautiful wife and I introduce my pretty daughter. But this morning I'm going to introduce Billy and he is none of the above. <laughs> Billy, just wave, just wave your hand. I was, I was in the hotel this morning. I'm looking over some notes and I, this is my first time in Clarksville, just driving past normally. And I'm seeing all this Fort Campbell, Fort Campbell popping up. I said, how close is Fort Campbell to Clarksville? I said, wait a minute, Billy is in Fort Campbell. I tell you, I said, man, aren't you in Fort Campbell? He said, yes, sir. I said, come to church. And he came this morning. So I'm, I'm glad he's here. And I'm, I'm just going to tell a little bit of his testimony this morning. He, he came in our church um, probably, what, 13, 12, 13, something like that. He was one of those middle school boys that we talked about in Sunday school. <laughs> we just leave it at that, all right? <laughs> Keep that between us, all right? No. But he came when he was probably 13 or 14, and I tell you, God has done a work in his life, and God has used him to do a work in his family's life. He came just riding our buses. We would pick him up every Wednesday night. Uh, he was faithful. He was consistent, and he started coming on Sundays, not missing the service. When we went to youth camps, he came to youth camps. Youth, went to youth conferences. He came to youth conferences. Now as a grown man, he's here. I'm preaching. He drives 25, 30 minutes to come, and his whole family got in church because of him. Amen. I mean, I ain't going to cry because he's going to start texting people to making fun of me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm just so excited. He, he started coming. His younger brother started coming, his sister started coming, his mom started coming, dad started coming. God called dad to preach. Uh, a few Sundays ago, dad standing up preaching behind the pulpit because this man was committed as a young person. And for, that, for him to be here on Youth Sunday, you want to know if young people can make a difference? They can make a difference. And his dad is standing up preaching the word of God with boldness because he was faithful and committed to church. I could talk, I could spend the next 40 minutes talking just about him and what God has done in his family, but I'm glad to see you uh, this morning. And he put a visitor's card in the offering plate, so I give you full permission to harass him. <laughs> Amen. Genesis chapter 5. If you ain't found Genesis by now, it's going to be a long morning. <laughs> Genesis chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 21. I've been stuck on this man by the name of Enoch. And I've just been studying this and, and teaching and preaching through Genesis. And I just have to preach it this morning. So Genesis chapter 5. You there say amen? amen? We're going to start reading in verse 21. The Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. 
And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for waking us up this morning. God, we thank you for giving us another day of life. God, we thank you for your word. And God, we know that your word, even though it was written many years ago, God is still alive today. It's still real today, and it is still relevant today. So, God, I'm asking that you would speak to the hearts of your people through the preaching of your word. God, I certainly know that nothing that I say this, this morning can change anyone's life, but only what your word is saying. So, God, I need you to empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. God, speak through me as only you can. Father, I pray there's anyone here this morning that's not sure that they're saved. God, I pray they would not leave here without getting that settled. And, God, I pray for those of us who are saved. God, may you help us in our walk and our journey with you. God, be with these young people this morning. God, I pray you'll speak to their hearts as well. God, I pray that you would limit the distractions. God, I know for certain that the devil does not want people to hear the word. But, God, I pray that you would bind Satan this morning. And, God, may you eliminate all distractions. And, God, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor for it. In your precious name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen. The very first verse of the Bible simply says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I say often that the Bible, though it begins with God, that does not mean God begins with the Bible. The God that we serve, he is eternal. He is self-existent. He was not made. He was not formed. He was not created. He is not the creation, but rather he is the creator. So the God that we serve, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we look into our Bibles, as we mentioned even in Sunday school this morning, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John did not say that God was in the beginning. No, no, no. He says, in the beginning was the Word. So if we were to make this stage a timeline this morning, and we made this side the end of time, and this side the beginning of time, John went as far as you could go this way, and he says, God already was. So he went back to the first day and used a past tense being verb. That tells us that the God that we serve, he is not the creation, but rather he is the creator. He always has been and he always will be. So let's not get confused when we open up our Bibles and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is not beginning in Genesis 1. We're just now beginning to read and hear about him. So when we get to Genesis chapter number 5, We've already gone through the creation stage. You'll find that in Genesis chapter number one. God has already made the sun. God has already made the moon. God has already made the stars. You know, as a kid, I used to wonder, how in the world did God create this world? Did he go up into space and make the moon and then come back down and and make a dog and then go back up and make the stars and then come back down and make a cat? But when you read Genesis chapter one, over and over again, you'll read, and God said, and God said, and God said. This whole world was created by the very order of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God created this whole world by just speaking his word. And if you're here this morning, if you haven't already learned this, I can tell you this with no hesitation, that the word of God, it does have power. And if we learn to submit ourselves underneath the word of God, his word will begin to create amazing things in our life. So this world that God created, it was created by the very order of God. But not only was this world created by order, but it was also created in order. Listen now, everything that God made was able to be sustained by something that God already made. So it wasn't like God said, you know, today I'm going to make a fish and tomorrow I'll make some water. No, it wasn't like he said, you know, today I'm going to I'm going to make Adam and tomorrow I'll make land. So Adam will have somewhere to stand. No. The Bible says, let all things be done decently and in what? In order. Look, it wasn't some big bang. It wasn't some chaos that that made something beautiful. Creation demands a creator, and the Bible teaches us that that creator is Jehovah God. 
Genesis chapter number one. If you were to look down at verse number 26, God starts saying, and God said, let us make man in our own image. Now, one thing that is absolutely amazing about that is that God has not made Adam yet. He's not made Eve yet. And young people, since you're on summer break still, and some of y'all were out for virtual learning and schools were shut down, let's go to grammar school. Okay. So why in the world would God say us? And why in the world would God say our? Why would God use plural pronouns when no one else is here? If I were in the sanctuary this morning, and no one was in here, and you're standing out there, I don't know you're here, and you hear me say, let us begin our service. You would say, this guy the pastor brought in is a nut. He's the only one in the room, and he's saying us, and he's saying our. So when no one else is in the world, why is God saying, let us make man in our own image? He's referring to the Godhead. He's referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when God made man, God said, I want to look down from heaven and see a reflection of myself. Listen now, only mankind was the only creation that was made in the image of God. Now, I'm a, I'm a 90s baby, all right? Now, I'm, I, I just came from a camp, and for, for a split second, I forgot how old I was. I said, I said how many of y'all were born in 2000? I'm at a teen camp. It's 2021. Ain't nobody. None of those kids want to. So I'm a 90s baby, right? So young people right now, y'all are, all of these movies that are coming out, y'all are watching the knockoffs of my generation. So y'all got the fake Lion King. Guess what we got? The real one. <laughs> y'all got the fake Space Jam. Guess what we got? The real one. Y'all, y'all, y'all like we grew up online. Y'all are watching Frozen and I'm so sick of hearing Let It Go and Baby Shark. I'm so sick of it. I grew up on the originals. In the 90s, there's this movie that came out called All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, yeah, we got some 90s babies in the room, right? All dogs go to heaven. Well, look, I hate to break your heart this morning, but all dogs do not go to heaven now. Say, Brother Ed, how can you say that? Because God made mankind in his own image, and there are certain things that are reserved just for mankind. So when God made man in his own image, what does that mean? Well, we learn it in Genesis chapter number 2. Just as God is 3 and 1, mankind too is 3 and 1. So just as God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, mankind too is body, soul, and spirit. Genesis 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There's your body. And breathed into man's nostrils breath of life. There's your spirit. And man became a living soul. There's your soul. So having an intimate and personal relationship with God, it is something that only mankind can have. Your dog can't have it. Your cat can't have it. Your goldfish can't have it. Only a man, woman, boy, and girl can have a personal, intimate relationship with God. Because we were made in his own image. You leave the creation stage and you go to Genesis chapter number three. And of course, we know that's where the fall was introduced, as we talked about briefly in Sunday school. Mankind sinned and sin entered into the world. Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So once Adam ate of that fruit of the garden, everyone that came after Adam, the Bible teaches that that man is a sinner. Listen now, the common denominator of all of mankind is that we are all sinners. Say, well, Brother Ed, you don't know me. I'm rich. Well, congratulations, you a rich sinner. <laughs> the common denominator of all of mankind is that we are all sinners. I was teaching this to a group of young people one time, and a young person said, man, Brother Ed, he said, he said, uh, 
Adam, he messed it up for all of us. If Adam didn't sin, we would have all been just fine. And I said, if that's true, it would have ended the day that you were born. So let's not look at what could have been or what would have been. Let's just look at what is. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So the common denominator is that all of mankind, we are sinners. But the amazing thing is that God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, for mankind to be reconciled and brought back unto himself. Right after we leave Genesis 3, where sin is introduced into the world, in Genesis 4, we quickly see the results of sin coming into the world. As soon as you get in Genesis 4, God accepts Abel's offering. He rejects Cain's offering. Cain gets angry with God and takes it out on his brother Abel and kills his own brother. Right after sin is introduced in the world, the very next chapter, we see murder. Mankind has become evil. Mankind has become wicked. Mankind has become something that God himself did not intend for mankind to be. And then we get to Genesis in chapter number five. Now, Genesis chapter number five is one of those genealogy chapters. And in Genesis chapter number five, we got to remember now, when we read our Bibles, you may only turn one page in your Bible, but you could be turning past hundreds, if not thousands of years. Genesis chapter five is one of those chapters. Just in Genesis chapter five, there are 10 generations that are mentioned. Now, if we're honest this morning, you going to be honest? If we're honest this morning, when you get to a chapter like Genesis chapter number five in your Bible reading, so-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begat so Y'all going to have to take your halos off of me this morning. You skip some verses. <laughs> Sometimes you may even skip the chapter. Look, it's names in there that we can't pronounce. We call them stuff that God or their mama didn't call them. <laughs> begat, begat, begat. Sometimes you get to Genesis, I mean, Matthew chapter number one, you see begat, begat. And then you go down to all the way to verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this watch. I'll start right there. All right? And we get to Genesis chapter number five, and in a chapter full of begats, it's almost like out of nowhere, this man by the name of Enoch pops up. After the Bible says begat, 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 out of nowhere, a man by the name of Enoch pops up, and the Bible does not have much to say about Enoch. I mean, Enoch is only mentioned in Genesis chapter number five. He's mentioned in Jude, and he's also mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11. Very few verses that Enoch is mentioned throughout the word of God. But though is not much said about Enoch, what is said about him to me, it is very powerful. The Bible simply says that Enoch, he walked with God. Whew. The Bible says that Enoch was a man that walked with God. Now, we got to remember in which the time frame that Enoch is living in. Enoch is living right after the fall, but he's also living right before the flood. Enoch was living in a time where ungodly people were all around him. Look, Enoch was living in a time where it was more popular to be like the devil than it was to be like God. Look, Enoch was living in a time where God said, as I examine the, the man's heart, he says their imaginations are only evil continually. Say, Brother Ed, how bad was it really in Enoch's day? It was so bad in Enoch's day that God said, you know what? We're going to start this thing all the way over. And in an evil day and in a wicked day, the Bible says that Enoch was a man that walked with God. 
Can I tell you this morning that though we may be living in a wicked world and you don't have to look very far to see the effects of sin on this world. But though we may be living in a wicked world and though we may be living in an evil time and young people, though it may seem that your generation is turning their back on God as they are turning their back on God. You can walk with God. You can have a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. The Bible simply says that Enoch, he walked with God. In Genesis chapter number four, there's another man mentioned by the name of Lamech. Lamech was a godless man. Lamech was a wicked man. Look, Lamech was the man that introduced polygamy to the world. So right after God said in Genesis chapter two, he says, hey, it's one man for one woman and one woman for one man. Lamech says, you know what? I think I can have as many of them as I want. It's in the book. Don't get uncomfortable until I stop preaching the Bible. All right, it's in the book. I promise you it's in there. Lamech introduced polygamy to the world. Lamech was a murderer. Lamech said of himself, if Cain should be avenged sevenfold, he said, surely I'll be avenged seventy and seven. Lamech was a wicked man. Lamech was a godless man. And look now, as Lamech is growing godless, right beside him is Enoch, and he's growing godly. Can I tell you, it's not just about age, it's about stage. And you can be a young person in this room. And as all of your other friends are growing godless and as all of your other generation, they're turning their back on God. You can still make a decision in your life to walk with God. The Bible doesn't have much to say about Enoch, but the Bible simply says that Enoch, he walked with God. Can I tell you this morning that walking with God is going to take some desire. Walking with God is going to take commitment. Walking with God, it takes zeal. Walking with God, it takes consistency. Look, walking with God is not something that just happens. Enoch and Lamech, same age, completely different stage. One is walking away from God. One is walking with God. One is growing godless and one is growing godly. And I think it's safe to say that if Enoch can do it in a wicked day, everyone in this room, we can do it in our day. We can walk with God. Enoch, he's a man that's walking with God. Do you remember the story at the end of the gospel records after Jesus died, after he was buried and after he rose again? If you read the ending of those gospel records, one thing that's absolutely interesting is that no one that followed Jesus, the Bible doesn't show anyone that remembered that he would rise again. The only people that remembered were the ones that placed those soldiers outside the tomb because they said the, soldier, the, the disciples going to come steal the body. Everyone, the Jews are scattered. Everyone is afraid. And Jesus shows up at the end of the Gospel of Luke to two disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus. They're on an eight mile journey and Jesus shows up to them in his resurrected body. Jesus knows them, but they don't recognize him. And they look at Jesus and they say to Jesus about Jesus. They say, we thought it was him. (laughs) Imagine that. They're looking at Jesus and said, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. When they first started the journey and when they first started walking with him, they didn't recognize him. But the more they walked with him, the more they knew exactly who he was. And by the time Jesus ascended back to heaven, they looked at each other and said, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us? By the way, listen now, you will never exhaust your relationship with God. From the preacher to the pew, we can all walk with them more. We can all walk with them closely. May God help us to have a generation of believers who knows what it truly means to walk with God. The Bible simply says that Enoch, he walked with God. Notice me, Enoch, he had an experience. Enoch had an experience. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years 
and begat sons and daughters. Now, Enoch was on this earth for 365 years. Now, to all of us, that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? Can you imagine you living till you're 365 years old? That's a long, that, that, I mean, that's old. I'm talking about that's, you can't keep the peas on your spoon old. That's old. <laughs> Enoch lived to be 365 years old. Now, sometimes we'll say, man, that's real old. But look now, in Enoch's day, believe it or not, he was a middle-aged man. Say, how in the world can you say 365 years is middle age? Who was Enoch's son? Methuselah. He lived to be 969 years old. That's old. <laughs> so until you, until you get to be 365, you ain't, you're not old, all right? Don't be going, I'm old, I'm old. You ain't th- you middle age, all right? Enoch is 365 years old, and he's a middle-aged man. But the Bible says, though he lived to be 365, the Bible says that he walked with God for 300 years. Now, young people, this is basic mathematics, right? 365 minus 300 is how much? 65. So there were 65 years that Enoch walked on this earth and he did not walk with God. Think about that. Bible says he lived to be 365, but he walked with God for 300 years. So there were 65 years where Enoch did not walk with God. Now, before we shake our heads and say, "Mm, shame on Mr. Enoch, can I remind you that there was a day in your life, there was a day in my life where I did not walk with God. But something happened in the life of Enoch where Enoch said something in my life has got to change. Enoch said, I can't keep just going through the motions. Something in my life has got to change. Do you, did you catch when it was? The Bible says, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. Here it is now. After he begat Methuselah, 300 years and begat sons and daughters. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Now, imagine Enoch. He's this middle-aged man. He's a young husband. He's holding his firstborn, and something in his mind and something in his heart says, something in my life has got to change. I can't just keep going through the motions. I can't keep just living life as normal. I have to learn how to walk with God. I really have to get serious about this walking with God things. And the Bible says from the day that Methuselah was born, his firstborn son, from that day forward, the Bible says that Enoch, he walked with God. Now, let me tell you, you may not be a father like Enoch. You may not be a husband like Enoch. You may not be a man like Enoch. And and look, look, since we in 2021, let me just say this. If you wasn't born a man, you ain't one. Amen. I brought a couple of my own amens. All right. Hey, it's in the book now. Male and female created he them. It's in the same chapter. We can go back up if we need to. I got all day. How much time y'all got? (laughs) But you may not be a man like Enoch. You may not be a husband like Enoch. You may not be a father like Enoch. But mark it down. There will be a time in your life where necessity hits you. Where you realize that you have to tap in to a power that is greater than yourself. Where you realize you can't do this on your own. You need God on your side. And from that day forward, the Bible says that Enoch, he walked with God. Can I ask you a question this morning? When was your experience? When when was your day where you realized that walking with God is a necessity? Look, I can say with no hesitation, men, we won't be the husbands we need to be if we don't walk with God. We won't be the fathers we need to be if we don't walk with God. Wives, you won't be the wife you need to be if you don't walk with God. You won't be the mother. Young people, you won't be the right children that you're supposed to be if you don't learn how to walk with God. Walking with God is a necessity. 
Look, now, look, I'm not just talking about salvation right now. Salvation is what makes us all a candidate to walk with him. This is my question. When was the time in your life where you realized that walking with God in time is just as important as your salvation is for eternity? I'm going to say it again. That walking with God in time is just as important as your salvation is for eternity. Say, Brother Ed, how in the world can you make a statement like that? You remember when Jesus ascended back to heaven? When he went back to heaven, what did he say? A comforter, I leave with you. He left the Holy Spirit here. Why did he leave the Holy Spirit? So that we can spend time with him in time, just like we will for all of eternity. Look, when I, I don't have to wait until I die to spend time with my God. I can spend time with my God right now. When was your experience to where you realized that walking with God for me, it is a necessity. Enoch held his son, Methuselah. He says, from this day forward, I'm serious about this thing. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not going through the motions anymore. From this day forward, I'm going to walk with God. And the Bible says for 300 years, Enoch, he walked with God. There is an experience. Not only is there an experience, but there's an excitement. There's an excitement. Now, we have to remember where the time frame in which Enoch is living in. Enoch is living post-fall, but he's living pre-flood. Enoch is only the seventh man after Adam, and he is the third man before Noah. Say, brother, what in the world are you trying to say? It's, it's not much world history to cover right now. You know, I was, I was preaching at a youth conference a few weeks ago, and they, had, they were playing a family feud game. And they pulled up all the, all the screens, and they're playing family feud, and they called the kids forward. And they asked this question. They said, what is your favorite subject in school? Said so they got up there and said, we polled 100 teenagers, blah, blah, blah. What is the favorite subject in school? You know what the top two answers were? See if y'all can guess it. What are the top two answers? Lunch. Who said lunch? <laughs> lunch is right. Lunch was number one. What was the second one? Mm-mm. Who said it? Gym class. <laughs> lunch and PE, top two answers. <laughs> That's my kind of teenager. Lunch and PE, right? Lunch and pee, they were the top answers on the board. You know, in this day, you know what would have been all the kids' favorite subject? World history. Amen. You know why? Because your great-great-granddaddy was the first man. <laughs> if, if you need the answer to the test, go ask your granddaddy. He knows it all because he's been here the whole time. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't much world history covered. Look, everyone knew what happened in the garden. Everyone knew what happened with Adam. Everyone knew what happened with Eve. Everyone knew what happened with Cain. There, was not much, there wasn't much world history at this time. I imagine what these children and what these young people and the generations after Adam, I imagine what they thought in the back of their minds. I imagine, I wonder what type of questions they, I wonder if they went and said, Dad, what was it like you and God just being in the garden just by yourself? What was that like? Well, what was it like with just you, Mom, and God in the garden? No, to go to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. Genesis chapter 3. And, and Billy is here this morning, and my young people make fun of me because I, oh, I love preaching through Genesis. And they say, any message you preach, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, Billy. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, look at verse number 8. And by the way, it all began in Genesis, so every message should be able to go back in Genesis. Uh-huh. Okay, Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> verse number 8, the Bible says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God. What? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees 
of the garden. Now, let me tell you what the Bible did not say. It did not say that they heard the voice of the Lord God talking in the garden. It said they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. And I imagine in the back of their minds, they're wondering, even after you sin, Dad, and even after sin entered into the world, I wonder if they wondered, will mankind ever be able to walk with God like that again? Will, will mankind ever be able to spend time with God like that again? Look, I don't believe this was just some random visit from God. You know how you, you tell your kids, you say, it's, it's bedtime. You go in that room and you lay down and you get in that bed, right? All, next thing you know, you hear a whole bunch of laughing, a whole bunch of playing, a whole bunch of toys moving, TV on, all this stuff, right? And you go in and say, hey, I caught you. I told you. No, no, no. Look, God is not popping up on Adam like, ah, I caught you. Sin is in the world. I knew. No, I don't think that's what happened. I think every day in the Garden of Eden, Adam and God and Eve spent time together. I think every day they walked with each other. Every day they communed with each other. And on this day, God shows up in the garden. Adam, where art thou? And he hides himself. He's nowhere to be found. Look, I'm here for my daily walk. Where are you, Adam? Now, before we shake our heads at Adam, let's put ourselves in Adam's shoes. What if God showed up at your house? What if God showed up at my house? What, what if God showed up in my life simply wanting, look now, just to spend time with me, just to talk with me, just wanting me to pray and talk to him? I wonder they're thinking, will we ever get to do that again? And in a chapter full of begats, a chapter that we would normally skip or skim through, don't leave me hanging by myself. Out of nowhere, a man by the name of Enoch pops up, and the Bible says Enoch walked with God. You say, what's so exciting about that? To me, it's so exciting that mankind can have the same relationship with God as Adam did before the fall. To me, that's exciting that we have a God that's so gracious and a God that's so merciful that even after sin was introduced into the world, he still wants to walk with us. Look, now, the question this morning is not, does God want to walk with me? The question is always, do we want to walk with him? Because we serve a God that's so gracious and merciful, he always wants to walk with us. We would all be a mess without the grace and mercy of God. Amen. See, I say often that grace is when you get something that you don't deserve, and then mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. So it's because of God's grace that I can go to heaven. I did not deserve that. It's because of his mercy that I don't die and go to hell. That is what I deserved. But God stepped in and showed me his grace and mercy, and he says, Ed, not only am I going to let you spend all eternity with me, I'm going to walk with you in time. Aren't you glad that we serve a gracious and a merciful God? To me, that's exciting that we can still have a personal and intimate relationship with God. One thing that throughout this pandemic, it's been it's been crazy to say the least. But one thing that almost I don't know if it should be funny or not. Maybe I'm just a weird guy. It was a little comical to me. The Pope comes out and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going to get in trouble at your church. All right. But the Pope comes out and he basically says, Due to this pandemic, he says, we're now encouraging people to pray to God for themselves. I said, did he really just say that? I said, this is what we've been trying to tell people, that you can go to God for yourself. The Bible says there is but one mediator between God and man. It didn't say the pope. It didn't say your mama. It said it's one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. So I don't need the post permission to do something that God said I could do. Amen. God told me I can come in. And according to Hebrews chapter number 10, not only did he tell me to come in, he told me to come in with boldness. 
Then he tell me why I can come in with boldness because I'm covered in the blood. So if you are a child of God and you're covered in the blood and his presence is where you're supposed to be. Look, you know, in that tabernacle, have you ever seen someone try to do a picture or a replica of that tabernacle? You look at that back part of the tabernacle. It's always a cloud over that. That's that Shekinah glory. That's the holiest of all. That, that's the place where only the high priest could go in. And look now, even when the high priest went in, they said, look, man, this is a serious thing now. Said, look, we're going to tie a rope to your ankles. We're going to attach some bells to the rope just in case you go in there and you drop dead. So we know, look, I'm telling you, I'm te- look, if you ever thought the Bible was born, you ain't never read that thing. <laughs> they, 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 they sent the high priest in with a bell and ropes on his ankles. And that way they knew if those bells stopped jingling, that's the first jingle bells in the Bible, by the way. It came from the Bible. But when those bells stopped jingling, they knew this man just dropped dead. They took the presence of God so seriously that they wouldn't even go in and get him. They'll just pull the rope and drag his body out. Now, think about this. Jesus dies. He was buried. He rose again. And the Bible says that bell in that temple that separated the whole. The Bible says it was ripped in twain. It was ripped in two. Look, from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, from top to bottom, from God all the way down to man. By the way, the bell was rent, but it was not removed. It's still there. But when Jesus died, Hebrews 10 tells us that his his flesh was the veil. When his flesh was torn, it gave us access into the presence of God. Think about this now. For 15 centuries, 1,500 years, Jews and Gentiles alike stared at a place that they could not go in. Jesus died. He looked at all of us and said, you come in with boldness. He said, don't come in with bells and ropes on your ankles, tiptoeing. He said, you come in with boldness. If you and I are children of God, being in the presence of God is where we're supposed to be. May God help us to take full advantage of having a personal and intimate relationship with God. You and I, we can walk with God. There's an excitement. To me, that's exciting. There's an experience. But then I want you to see there's an exception. There's an exception. Go to Genesis 5 again. Verse number 24. The Bible says, An Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. There is an exception. The person that learns how to truly walk with God, And the person that has a genuine relationship with God, that individual will be an exceptional person. Look, that person is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Look, you're not going to know exactly what it is, but you know it's something different about this guy. It's something different about this girl. It's something different about this person. You'll know they're not like everybody else. They're exceptional. When you learn how to walk with God, it, it, it makes you. Look, I'm talking about the person that prays and they pray as if they're talking to God and not like they're talking to everybody else in the room. Something different about that person. I'm, I'm talking about the person that reads their Bible and they're not just reading their Bible just to check the next day off, but they're reading the Bible because they know this is God's word and he's going to talk to me. That, that person will live an exceptional life. Look, Enoch, he was an exceptional man, to say the least. Now, let's do something quickly that I just made fun of y'all for doing. Let's skim the chapter. <laughs> Unless y'all want to read it all. I told you I got all day. We can read it all. Y'all can pronounce the names, right? (laughs) Verse number eight, the Bible says Seth. And what did he do? He died. Verse number 11, Enos, what did he do? He died. Verse number 14, Canaan, what did he do? He died. Verse number 17, Mahulil, that's how you say it. And he died. Verse number 20, Jared. And he died. Then we get to verse number 24, Enoch. He was not. 
for God took them. Oh, I like that. Ooh, I'm about to run around. I should have put my Nikes on. I'm about to run around this church building. <laughs> the Bible says Jared died, Enos died, Mahulil died, Cain died. All of them died. But when we get to Enoch, the Bible says he was not, for God took him. Look, he's exceptional. And when you learn how to walk with God and have a personal, intimate relationship with God, it makes you different from everybody else in your generation. Everyone else died, but we get to Enoch, and the Bible says he was not, for God took him. Now, we know there are two men in the Bible who never died. It was Enoch. Y'all know the other one? Elijah, caught up in that whirlwind. Enoch and Elijah. I'm glad my name is Ed. It's something about those E's. We just (laughs) never died. Now, I can't fully explain this to you, and I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to understand the mind of God, but I know he was different. I don't know if God took him because he was the closest man to God since Adam. I don't know. I don't know if God, I don't know why God took him, but the Bible says God took him. So I believe God took him. He was not. The Bible says for God took him. He was such an exceptional man that he did not even die. And when you learn how to walk with God, when I learn how to walk, with God, when we keep our walk with God in tune, it makes you exceptional. Look, it'll, it'll make up for your lack of a mentor if you learn how to walk with God. It, it'll make up for your lack of education. It'll it'll make up for your lack of resources. If you have a true and intimate relationship with God, it makes up for everything that you think you missed. Look, some people get uncomfortable when I say things like this because we we try to put on this false humility because we're afraid that all of the world is going to say, oh, those Christians think they're better than everybody else. Y'all ready to get uncomfortable? We are. Now, look, we're not better than everyone else because of us. We're better than everyone else because of him. When you have God on your side, you get an advantage. Who would have God on their side and think they're not better? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a basketball fan. I love watching basketball. If I got Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Kobe, and y'all pick anybody in this room, guess what? My team is better. I don't care who you pick in this room. Let me, let me scan the room. I don't care who you pick. I got a better team. So we're going around with God on our side saying, well, I'm just a nobody. No, you somebody because God on your side. And because God is on your side, it makes you exceptional. It makes you better than anything this world has to offer. By the way, young people, that's why you should not be ashamed to be a Christian. Because you have God on your side. And if God is on your side, you have something better than anything this world could offer. Because he's on your side. That would be like you sitting in a Kia Soul. You sitting in a a Ferrari and you jealous of somebody in a Kia Soul. Y'all know there's a little hamster car? You can get with this so you can get with that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? That's like you, you sitting in a Ferrari. You're like, I can't believe that person is in a Kia Soul. Why are you jealous of them when you're in something that's better? So why are you in Christ and you're looking at the world jealous? You have something that's better. You have Christ. And when you learn how to have an intimate relationship with God, it makes you better than anything this world has to offer. He was an exceptional man. He was exceptional. Look, who's the first man to ever live? Adam. It's people that don't even go to church. They can tell you that. Who's the oldest man to ever live? We just said his name. Methuselah. Everyone knows that. Who's the man that saved the human race from a flood? Noah. Noah. Enoch is mentioned in the chapter of Adam, Methuselah, and Noah. Who in the world stands out in this chapter? Not the, not the man that walked with God. Somebody does. Not the man that walked with God. It's the man that walked with God. Not, not the first man. Not the man that saved the human race. And not the oldest man. The one that stands out the most is Enoch. The one that walked with God. And when you learn how to walk with God, when I learn how to walk with God, we're going to stand out. Not because we're something special, but simply because God is better than anything this world has to offer. Flip back to Genesis 4 real quickly, very quickly. 
Now, when we talked about earlier in the message, we talked about a man by the name of Lamech, the godless man, the murderer, the one that introduced polygamy to the world. Lamech, he came from the seed of Cain and Enoch came from the seed of Seth. Both of these men are the seventh from Adam. One came from the seed of Cain. One came from the seed of Seth. Now watch, now watch this in verse number 17, 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare who? Enoch. Now some of you are thinking, Brother Ed made a mistake. Or you're thinking, God made a mistake. Because Brother Ed just told me that Enoch came from the seed of Seth and Lamech came from the seed of Cain. But the Bible says, and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. Look, you know, you, when you read in the New Testament, two Marys, right? Two Johns, Genesis 4 and 5, two Enochs. And if you were to trace the lineage of these two and read them carefully, because some of the names look very similar. Don't just don't just run past it. It's just a letter here or a letter there. It's two different Enochs. Now, the Enoch in Genesis chapter number four, that man, he was somebody in his day. If you read the verse, he was such a somebody that they named the whole city after him. But who's the one that we remember? Is it the one in four or is it the one in five? Look, some of us didn't even know it was two until this morning. And don't let me fool you because I didn't know until a few weeks ago. <laughs> preachers, preachers, we it's like it's like the teacher that did all the studying and then they ask you the question. But says, you've been studying this for three weeks. They're going to put me on the spot. All right. I didn't know it. But two people, two Enochs, one walked with God. One had a city named after him. The one that we remember is the one that walked with God. He, w- he was an exceptional man. It, w- it was Enoch that the Bible was referring to when it said, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he was the warder of them that diligently seek him. That was referring to Enoch. It's Enoch when the Bible says that he had a testimony that he pleased God. That was referring to Enoch. Enoch, he lived life, and the way he walked with God, it made him so exceptional that everyone in his generation knew. Something different about this guy. Enoch, there was an experience. There was an excitement. There was an exception. But then they're going to see there's an expectation. There's an expectation. Go over to Jude with me. Go to Jude. And I'm, I'm turning the corner, all right? That don't mean nothing. It could be another corner. No, I'm just kidding. Jude. And if you're wondering what chapter, you'll find out as soon as you get there. Jude in the only chapter, all right? Verse 14, the Bible says, And Enoch also the seven from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. As Enoch walked with God, there was both an expectation on his life and an expectation in his life. Look, just to say a plain this morning, an individual cannot make a commitment to walk with God and then go any direction they want to go. When you make a commitment to walk with God, you are also committing to allow God to lead the walk. See, when we walk with God, we can't say, I'm going to walk with God. All right, God, you follow me. No, when we say that we're going to walk with God, we are also committing to let God lead the walk. Now, I, I joke with my wife often because... When we first got married, and even when we were dating, my wife, she was a speed walker. I mean, she would just, like she was just power walking. Every time we, we're going through the mall or something, she just, I'm like, what are, we, are we trying to get our steps in? What are we doing? Like, is somebody chasing us? Is somebody chasing us? Let me know. Don't just run. Like, she's just speed walking. 
I used to just stop and say, I wonder at what point this woman going to realize I ain't following her no more. Three stores later, she's looking around. <laughs> you know what? Some of you ain't going to remember this because you've been married a long time. But for some of us that's young in our marriage, when you first get married, you got to learn how to walk with each other. It, it, get, it, gets, it, gets, it can get a little awkward. You holding hands, right? You thinking swing forward, she thinking swing backwards. It can get awkward. You holding hands. Some of y'all don't remember. Some of y'all, y'all just walk like you're synchronized swimmers. You just, y'all got it. Y'all been married 30, 40 years. You got it down. I'm going to get there one day, but bear with me, all right? Holding hands, going through the mall. A pole is coming. <laughs> holding hands. I'm thinking, let's go left. She's thinking, let's go right. We don't communicate and end up like this. That gets a little awkward, right? I'm thinking, let's take the stairs. She's thinking, escalator, right? Somebody has to give in. Look, you know the hard thing about walking with God? It's the same thing that was so difficult about walking with my wife. She was used to walking by herself, and I was used to walking by myself. You know the hard thing when we start talking about walking with God? You used to walking by yourself. And when you start walking with God, God is not going to submit to you and let you take the lead in the walk. You and I, we have to submit to him and let God take the lead in the walk. Romans 6 tells us that because he died, he was buried again. We can now walk in newness of life. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? John 8 and verse number 12 says, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Galatians says if we live in the spirit, we should also walk in the spirit. Galatians also said if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look, you cannot do all of those things walking by yourself. You got to walk with God. And when you make a commitment to walk with God, there's an expectation. What's the expectation? That you're going to let him lead. I'm going to let him lead. And by the way, God knows the directions better than I know the direction. There's an expectation in his life. There's an expectation on his life. Think about this, that verse we read in Jude. Enoch said, the Lord's going to return with 10,000 of his saints. Now, look, I told you that when you walk with God, it makes you an exceptional person. And when you walk with God, God will lead you in directions that other people are not being led. God will give you insight on things that other people don't have insight on. Enoch is walking around centuries before the New Testament. He says, one day Jesus is coming back again. Everybody looking around like he ain't came yet. centuries before the Lord's first coming, Enoch is walking around preaching about the second coming. How in the world did he know about the second coming before the first coming? He was walking with them. And when you walk with them, it gives an insight. Next chapter, who's going to be mentioned? Noah's going to be mentioned. The Bible's going to say Noah, he walked with God. Noah going around talking about, hey, y'all, y'all need to get in this boat. It's about to rain. He said, we don't know what rain is. We ain't never seen rain. How did he know what rain was? He was walking with them. And when you walk with God, it gives you insight and direction that other people don't have. Let me give you one more. There's an experience. There's an excitement. There's an exception. There's an expectation. And lastly, there's an extension. There's an extension. Your walk with God and my walk with God, it affects other people. It's a rub off. Just like what I just mentioned about Billy. He's coming to church. Brother starts coming. Sister starts coming. Mama starts coming. Dad starts coming. Dad starts preaching. Dad starts leading. So we got another we got other men in the church now because his dad led them to the Lord. His walk. We can't even count how many people his walk affects. And when you start walking with God and when I start walking with God, it affects everyone around us. Genesis six. I'm going to read this verse quickly. and Then we're done. Genesis six. Look at verse number nine. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And the Bible simply says, and Noah walked with God. <laughs> Imagine Noah being a kid going to his dad. Hey, dad, can you tell me something about my great, great granddaddy? What was he like? What did he do? And the only thing they can think to say. Look, keep in mind, this man lived for 365 years. And the only thing they can remember to say about a man that lived 365 years was, that man walked with God. Let me ask you a question this morning in closing. What do you want to be remembered for? Young people, what do you want to be known for? Say, I want to I want to be known as a good guy. I want to be known as the funny guy. I want to be known as the good preacher. I want to be known as this. You can have all of these things that the world has to offer. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and then lose his own soul? So we're not just focused on getting a list of accolades so we can look back and say, I did this and I did that. Enoch was exceptional, not because of something that he did, but just because he had God on his side and he walked with him. I tell you, God has opened up a lot of doors for me in preaching and even in business and, and working here, going there. But one thing I want to be known for the most is that I was a man that was living a life that was honoring and pleasing to the Lord. Look now, there are some men that have spiritual moments and there are other men who are spiritual. Enoch was a spiritual man. Couldn't understand it for the longest. This man's preaching. This man's ministering. This man, people are getting saved. Seems like God is using them. Come out, find out this man been living in sin his whole ministry. How in the world is that possible? Don't be confused. He had a spiritual moment. He had spiritual moments. That does not mean he was a spiritual man. We're, 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 we're trying to be spiritual people, not just have spiritual moments. And that only comes by us having a personal and intimate relationship with him. We can all walk with God. The, the invitation is open for all of us to walk with God. The question is not, does he want to walk with you? The question is always, do you and I want to walk with him? I trust that in this generation and in your generation, even though it may be surrounded by wickedness and evil, we can still have some individuals who are truly walking with God. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have given us the invitation to walk with you and to have a personal and intimate relationship with God. Father, I pray that you help us to take full advantage of that opportunity. God, I'm reminded of what David said. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God, I don't know why you are so mindful of us, but God, I'm so grateful that you are. So God, I pray just help us this morning. God, I pray there's anyone here that's not sure that they're saved. God, maybe they have not taken that first step in this glorious journey of walking with you. God, I pray that we get that settled this morning. God, for those of us who are saved, may we draw closer in our walk with you. Father, I pray that you will bless these next few moments of invitation. In your precious name, Jesus, we do pray.